Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Fat Tuesday, everybody. Happy Mardi Gras. Brian Christopherson of Husker 24-7 joins us. Have you, uh, have in your younger days, did you celebrate Mardi Gras? No, not really. Um, not, I, I didn't get out there very much on Mardi Gras. I guess just a kind of a boring guy sometimes behind the scenes, as people would probably guess. So, uh, <laughs> what? No, I haven't. Yeah. I figured you had Maybe like a wild it. hair that you would itch, and we just don't know about it. No, it doesn't happen. I mean, maybe my name, I, I have Jim Bob Cooter's name in my head from your last pick. <laughs> so maybe, maybe my name or Jim Bob. I was thinking about how, like, maybe at one point he thought, like, people weren't taking him seriously enough because of his name, and he went back to his, he's like, you're going to, James Robert Cooper, Cooter yeah. is his actual name, and I wonder yeah. if he'd make an announcement, like, hey, I'd like to be called James Robert Cooter from now on. Uh, uh, see if that can elevate me in the profession. It's still better than John David Booty, too. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, good name, but no, I I wasn't a big Marty Grock guy um, growing up, but I I hope those who do celebrate uh, stay safe out there. Hey, let's uh, start with some uh, hoops, as uh, that's become one of your uh, your beats this year. Nick Ba uh, on his pod yesterday, I was listening to, it, and he described it perfectly. And you know, Nick Nick is sitting there courtside with Kevin on Sunday. So they see, like, the transformation of this team. And he said last year they looked like an AAU team playing an 8 a.m. game in an auxiliary gym. And I thought, mm. I thought, okay, yeah, sometimes the energy wasn't there. So now I look at the energy, and it's not just Tominaga. It's infectious. And it's a team that has fun. You, you know that they like playing with each other. And it hasn't been just recently. I think it's been throughout the entire season. So Hoiberg has established a culture where they didn't quit. They're having fun, and guys aren't complaining if they're playing less minutes because they're winning. Um, why has this culture changed, do you think, in about an eight-month span? You do have to give a lot of credit, I think, uh, obviously to the staff first. I, th- I think Fred made a, a couple good hires in the offseason, but also those veterans. You know, it, Even the guys who are injured, uh, Emmanuel Bandamo and uh, Jawan Gary, have uh, – stayed pretty engaged with this team and um, have been really good leaders and, and come up and help the young guys even while not playing. And obviously Sam Grussell as a senior, I think has, uh, you know, just that experience of having been through it for four or five years at this level. And um, all those guys came in with sort of winning track records uh, from their past schools. It was different levels granted, but they had won a lot of games. And so I do think they sort of brought, immediately an expectation like we don't have to accept this losing culture you know or the idea that there's a a a black cloud hanging over husker basketball necessarily and uh there were a lot of reasons this season where uh they could have went back to that and said okay that it's husker hoops that's the way it goes you suffer these injuries it's going to be like a 12 win season and uh see you next year uh, but you have to give credit to everyone for sort of re- 
and the staff in this particular case for really reinventing how this team operates and what their strengths are with it. With as Fred has said, basically a third different team. He has coached three different teams in one season. He had mm-hmm. the he had the team the first five games without D. Walker, and then you get him back, and and you think you're going to be this squad that's sort of defensive minded, gritty for the the whole season, and and halfway through that's gone. And so that that um, ability to audible into the right um, play, so to speak, uh, for what this roster is and how it's constructed right now has been pretty impressive. And uh, they're a problem for people right now on the offensive end. They've got a rhythm. They've got some guys in confidence. And I did not think, you know, in January this could be a good offensive basketball team. I just did it. They didn't show any signs of it. And, and they've really become kind of fun to watch on that end. And it's not just Pominaga, I should say. Well, and speaking of Casey, and we've talked about it a little bit, that maybe there is a little improvement in his defense. But when you think about losing a, a guy like Bandamil and, and a guy like Gary, arguably two of your best defenders, when you look at what Fred, you know, we haven't talked as much about what adjustments they've made defensively, too. This is where we've even seen Blaze Kata get a little bit of a role. What have you kind of taken away from Fred on just the ability to also adapt defensively and, you know, even implementing guys like Sam Hoiberg and, and what they've done on that end? Yeah, I mean, everybody's getting the most out of their measurements, you would have to say. Like, I mean, Sam Hoiberg's not the biggest guy, but when he comes out there, he tees people up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's had some major, besides the obvious steal at the end of last game, I mean, he was the one who came around the, the backside and, and took the ball away against Wisconsin on a, a beautiful play in overtime last week. And if he's been trusted in uh, one-on-one situations, you know, at the at the end of games on top scores, and he's done a pretty good job at least forcing him into a tough shot. So everybody, I think, is okay. This is your sort of niche as a defender. How can you excel at it? And Blaze would be, you know, example one A in the last week or so of that of just a guy who maybe he'll score one or two points, but he's he's having such a factor of as far as go get those defensive boards, be that guy who takes one or two charges, um, which, by the way, in the offseason, we were told he was the guy who always led the way in, in taking charges, and it's one of those things you hear, you know, back in August or whatever, and you're like, yeah, well, will that end up mattering at all? And here mm-hmm. in crucial games, that exact thing, that scenario has come up, and he's been there and done what he's done since he arrived. So a lot of credit to guys for just, I think, sort of maximizing their skill set and what they're asked to do within the defense. And they know there are weak points on that side of the floor that they have to give up. But they, um, they're, they I think they've been smart uh, with their strategy and, okay, we will give up this, but we're going to get this in doing so on the defensive end. And they've managed that very well. Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7 joining us. Uh, let's shift over to football. So Casey Thompson, since they've come back, he's featured in a lot of the – uh, still shots or videos of winter conditioning. Uh, he's been heavily involved in their community efforts. Um, you know, I, I think people have seen him out a little bit more in Lincoln. Uh, he's posing for pictures and signing autographs, so on and so forth. He's already signed with 1890. Why did why did he tweet out that thing yesterday that kind of telling people that he's coming back? Wasn't that like a foregone conclusion? Yeah, I mean, I thought so. I mean, maybe it's just that reminder to folks I'm here. You know, like I hear, I hear you all talking about Jeff Sims. I know, I know what the mm-hmm. the narrative is going. And um, uh, I was the guy last year, if you haven't forgotten. And um, when I was healthy, things went 
okay, if you can give me an O-line that can block a little bit, uh, let's see where it goes. So I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of that. Maybe it was just a deal where you had a cool graphic and you wanted to use it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, 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 I thought, man, graphics run the world, by the way, now. Like with recruits and stuff and announcements, it's like this kid might announce in a day or so, but he's got to get his graphic ready, you know. Um, so that, that I never undersell what a, a graphic means to the whole situation. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, Casey, um, I, I, I bet, uh, that competitive side of him is just itching to be like, let's, let's go. Like, yeah, I mean, everybody's kind of on this Sims narrative now. Um, I think somewhat because, you know, when rules been asked about QBs, he's been very complimentary of Jeff Sims, but, um, I think part of that too is, you know, rule and the staff really are, are getting to know Casey and what he's about. And so there, there is that process of, that's going on right now. But, yeah, I understand where you kind of feel like you're in the background a little bit um, and you were the man last year and you kind of want to – you want people to maybe remember that. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it had nothing to do with that and he just wanted to put it out. BC, hearing from Corey Campbell today, strength and conditioning coach, what do you want to know? What, what, what is, I mean, I know strength and conditioning is sometimes it, it, the rare opportunities to hear from these guys. So what do you want to know about what is going on and what, uh, what the, sort of the overall goal is here? Yeah, I think you want to, without throwing the, the last guys under the bus, because I wouldn't expect him to do that, you right. just want to know what he's tweaked and where, where he thinks the differences are as to what they might be doing now as compared to what they've done in the past, sort of like his, just his MO as far as um, meshing with guys, I think in the mental part of it too, um, not just with the workouts, uh, the physical stuff, but like what's the, like how do you connect with guys um, when you are basically the head coach for half the season, uh, half the year, because he is. I mean, he's that guy who really sets the, this is how we operate, this is what our mindset's like. I think you ask him about going out in the snow. I mean, it seems yeah. like they did that the other day. With yeah. it. And you say, like, what's, what's that all about? What's the reasoning for that? Um, and I think there's also going to be an interest, Nick, in sort of um, the extra stuff involved with the S&C operation. You know, they've, they've got all these other staffers on hand with different specific roles to help guys recover fast mm-hmm. and sort of be ready to go the next time and i i think there's some curiosity about that because you know nowadays that's such a big deal is just like being available and being healthy and having that type of team where you don't feel like you've got half the crew on the yeah. injured list all the time so i think some of that stuff could be interesting it is going to get a little nuts and bolts type stuff probably with the strength and conditioning guy but i think husker fans are kind of wanting to hear that stuff because the I'm not blaming the, mm-hmm. the way the the last coach did it, but he was not someone who spoke publicly a lot. So this is different. Do you think the transition, we, we focus a lot on the transition from one head coach to the other, but do we know really how difficult or either how easy a transition as a strength and conditioning coach is? Because Zach Duvall had a certain way he wanted to do things and a certain way they went about their business. And it wasn't like Duvall was just here for a year or two. A lot of the guys in the program that was the only strength coach that they've had. They had him for five years. They had him for, you know, four, three, whatever. Now you all of a sudden you have Corey Campbell in, and I'm sure in that world they're, they do a lot of things. Like I'm sure Zach Duvall had something like Matt Drills, but didn't call it Matt Drills. 
Nebraska has Matt Drills, and we're all enamored with him. But can you even put a your finger on what the transition is like for a strength and conditioning coach to come in and and start to work with a group of guys that for five years or four years, whatever, they've been tuned to that particular voice in that particular way? Uh, that's, no, that's a good question for him. It's how hard is that to sort of retrain uh, the mind a little bit on this is how we do things uh, without slamming how they were done before. We always do act around here like the new strength coaches definitely better than the last one that's i i know from covering this beat for like the last 20 years that's always the going thing like oh the last guy didn't do it right this guy and we don't really know what's going on you know a lot of the specifics i think there have been good strength coaches at nebraska who have done things uh and really push guys in a tough way and the results haven't necessarily come on the field Mm -hmm. but i would think what you're talking about in that question is an incredible task if people actually think about it Um, where you just step in sort of on a Monday in January and you're like, okay, this is the new mode of operating. This is how we do it and how you kind of, and I don't know if you can really ease into that or not, or if you just have to just dive into the deep end with it. I think you kind of do, but that, that would be interesting to hear from him. Just like what, what that's like, um, when, when somebody has been reading a different, uh, you know, pamphlet for a few years, as you say, and now, okay, here's something else for you. And maybe it's not altogether that much of a change for guys, but I would think there's some stuff that is very difficult to adjust to those first couple of weeks. And I also think, um, you know, you're looking at this point for, okay, who within this, this time of year is the leader? Who, who are the guys who are sort of stepping to the forefront? And you can see when times are tough, they're lifting other guys up. They're showing the example of this is what it's going to be like, um, you know, in the fourth quarter and your things aren't going your way, who's going to be that voice who kind of rises up? And I think that's the use also of this time of year is figuring out who that is. You know, and speaking of other coaches uh, talking today, uh, Donovan Riola, look, I, I know when he's, he's, when he spoke to the media, he doesn't, he's, he's a man of few words and, and that's fine. It's interesting this time around, given a new coaching staff, but also the importance of this group that, that Matt Rule clearly sees something in what Donovan Riola can bring to the staff, but also maybe how he could work with both Rule and even in Ed Foley. Where, where do you think, as far as the, the, the talking points and just kind of the different dynamics of this team and this new staff, where, where do you think Donovan Riola kind of fits into a, a lot of that intrigue? Yeah, I mean, just more from Donovan's, uh, you know, hearing from himself, like, why did why did this fit so well, did he think? I mean, it's not only Coach Rule who has talked up Donovan. I mean, Marcus Satterfield, the OC, people remember when he talked to us, he said, yeah, I went to to Matt Rule and said, um, we got to keep this guy. I, I and, and, and Satterfield actually went into talking to Riola thinking, like, yeah, this is going to be a deal where uh, this guy's going to move along and that's the way it is. We'll find yeah. someone else. And within a half hour or an hour, um, Satterfield was pretty convinced this could be a pretty good fit. Um, you know, I thought that was a genuine answer from, from the offensive coordinator. So I'd kind of like to hear more from Raiola about that. Cause that seemed like a pretty big moment when mm-hmm. you think about not only, um, hiring your own line coach, which is a big enough, um, hire as it is, but the connection to, Oh yeah, the number one recruit. And I'm not saying that's the, that, just the driving force to getting Dylan Ryle. I'm not in that camp that 
that connects those exactly. But there is that is a sidebar to this. And so when you think about that piece and then the, how big that hire is to make, and you think about everybody around here thought he was not going to get rehired, and then he just kept showing up and pressing these new coaches, and there were these conversations that happened behind the scenes where it's just like, this works, this clicks a little bit. I'd, I'd like to hear as much as we can about about that, you know, about those those uh, moments when they had those meetings and it and the it kind of flipped the script flipped a little bit from this guy's going to be here, let's go. And uh, I don't know how much Donovan will be willing to dive into that. I sense not a lot, but you you try your best, and we'll see what he says. I'm going to make you the czar of uh, college football. Um, make it more, make it smoother and more efficient. Where would you start? Well, I I think some of the stuff they propose as far as uh, shortening the games is just like so it's it's not going to be a big deal. Like it's not going to help that much, you know, like uh, not replaying it down when the clock expires at the end of the quarter. Okay. That happens once in a while, every few weeks and might save you 30 seconds. It's more of these reviews that, that lengthen the game. And so I do think, I think they need a time constraint on the reviews. Like I, I really do. I've always believed if you look, go to the booth, and the person up there or per- people up there can't figure out in a minute to 75 seconds that this play should definitely be overturned, then there's not enough evidence to overturn it. And uh, some pe- people who would say, well, yeah, you need all the time to get it right. I mean, sometimes I've watched games, you've watched games where we have watched a review for five minutes, yep. and uh, they still get it wrong. So I, I think I would put a timer on uh, how long a review can be. Um, and if, if, and, and tell my people like, Hey, if, if, if you don't think there's enough there, move along. And I do think they need to have those reviews where someone in the booth can just page them and, and they move it along very quickly. They say like, Hey, the ball hit the ground. You're definitely wrong here. Don't even stop. Like there are, there are plays like that that are so clear that I think that should be a part of it. Yeah, we, That to me is the biggest thing. Yep. I also would say real quickly, um, I know, I'm all for efficiency and, and shortening something where you can, but I don't think college football has Major League Baseball's problem. I agree. People, there, there are 12 games a year or 13 yeah. games a year. People plan their entire days around these things. I mean, they get up at 7 a.m. and they plan it till midnight around this college football game. Do we really care that much if it's a three-hour, 18-minute game or a three-hour, 24-minute game? I think the whole issue, to, to honestly, is exaggerated. I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, I, the one though. What's your thoughts on the one? Uh, quickly here, the idea of the clock keeps running after an incomplete pass. I don't really like that. I have no idea where that one uh, came from because that's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Now, if the clock keeps running after a first down, yeah. I'm not going to uh, knock the table too much on that one because. If you notice, even even right now when teams get first downs, they're pretty quick on the button with that now. Yep. I mean, they'll they'll move that clock pretty fast. I mean, sometimes late in the game, they're paying a little more attention. They stop it for a couple extra beats, I think. But that clock skips pretty fast after first downs nowadays, anyway. So I don't think that's going to be that noticeable. But I agree with you. I would I would definitely not touch the the clock after the incompletions. I keep the way it is. I think sometimes you can overreach on stuff like that when we all know the biggest problem is 
um, commercials mm-hmm. and reviews and I suppose maybe halftime length you could argue about. But again, that's part of the pageantry of college football. People like that. They like yep. the band and that stuff. I, I just think you got to be careful to mess with some of the elements that are great about the game to, to shave off three minutes. It, it doesn't seem like um, – I, I think they 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 got to walk a fine line here. I agree. BC, as always, thank you. Yep, thanks, guys. That's uh, Brian Christophers, Husker uh, 24-7. Yeah. All right, coming up uh, here in a little bit, uh, Nick will tell you how you can win tickets to uh, Cocaine Bear, exclusive watch party, coming up on uh, Thursday night. We'll do that uh, coming up next, mornings on 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.